surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And speaking about balancing running with the rest of your lives, here I am recording the intro to this podcast from the parking lot of my dentist office. That's right, grinding teeth. You're coming to an end. However, just to illustrate what all of us are doing every day, right? We live busy lives, which is such a, you know, a nice intro for the person we're going to be speaking with today. Carly is someone who has just been crushing mileage. We're talking 90 mile weeks while having a full-time job as a pharmacist. Holy cannoli. And this woman, you know, just a few years ago, ran her first marathon and, you know, she ran, as you'll hear, she, she, she just dipped under the four hour mark and, you know, she was super happy as she should have been, but boy, she really stepped it up after that. And again, Hey, running a sub four hour marathon is a big deal. And boy, did she take an enormous step up between her first and second marathon, which were only three months apart from each other. And I couldn't wait to hear much more about that. In addition to her double this year, the Chicago and New York City marathons, three weeks apart and combined time for both of those marathons, six hours. That's right. 2.55 and 3.05. What a double that was. It was such a pleasure to talk to Carly today. So let's get into it with my conversation with Carly. Hello, Carly, and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I'm I'm just surprised. It's 825 right now on a Sunday night, and you live on the East Coast, so you're on the same time zone. After running the Chicago and then the New York marathons, I'm just surprised you're even awake at 825. I would have <laughs> guessed that you would have been down for the count just for like an entire two weeks straight after doing that double. Well, I just finished watching the Steelers game and it was a close one. They won at the end. So I'm pretty pumped up right now. <laughs> oh, there you go. See, this is, what, this is how I need to time my episodes from now on. <laughs> yeah. So you just did, not only did you run Chicago and New York, but you ran two incredible times at both of these races. So I was so excited to talk to you for so many reasons. You know, we've kind of talked on and off about you coming on the show in, in, you know, in past times. But first things first, when did you decide that you were going to do this double? I decided last year because you have to sign up for these races so early. Um, I, ha- I actually had a, I had a free entry into Chicago and I love Chicago. So I really wanted to do that one again. And then I ended up qualifying for New York. And of course, you can't say no to that either. Um, so I just decided, hey, I'm going to do both. <laughs> so so basically a year ago, pretty much to the day. So you had a, a long time to train for. So did you train that entire year with this in mind or did the training for this double start a little closer to race day? Um, so my plan was really to just train for Chicago and I really wanted to race that. And then I was just going to do New York for fun with whatever I had left in me. <laughs> oh, wow. So th- talk about exceeding expectations then, because you just ran 305 at New York. You just absolutely <laughs> crushed it. And as we know, which is like, a, you know, a very difficult course, um, 
And then, you know, comparing it to Chicago, a lot of people say, like, you know, you can usually run it if – if the days and weather are equal, Chicago is a faster course than New York. So before we um, started this podcast, I opened it up to a lot of the people who follow you. And you are, as I mentioned to you earlier, off mic, you are a very popular person recommended to be on this show. I got a lot of that. And a lot of the people who wrote in and had questions for you – I would say like half of the questions were all touching on the same topic. And this, this, this idea of how did she improve so quickly? So I think that there's, um, this understanding of that you got better so quick. However, it seems that that isn't necessarily the case. So before we dive into this incredible double that you had and the progression you've had, uh, in recent years, let's go back to the beginning in terms of when you, where you started as a runner and where you were at the time. Sure. Um, so when I did my first marathon, I, I had not been running long. I've been running for probably like six months. Um, I decided when I turned 30 that I wanted to run a marathon. I just got that idea in my head. I was just kind of going through a little bit of a crisis of turning 30 and I'm, I didn't know where my life was going. And I'm like, I'm going to run a marathon. Um, so I don't even remember my training for it. I don't think I trained definitely not even close to what I do now, or even what I did for my second marathon. Um, and I finished that first marathon in 349. That was almost three years ago. Uh, that was in February, 2017. And then after that, I, I fell in love with marathons. I signed up for another one a few hours after. <laughs> um, I, I did a lot of research and I really stepped up my training. And then I, my second marathon I ran in May of 2017. And I took that time down to a 315, which actually really shocked me because I did not, I had no idea I was in that kind of fitness. Yeah. See that, that's the, that's the improvement that I want to touch on the most today because that's, that's an enormous improvement. And granted, you've improved a lot since then as well, because as we just talked about, you ran 255 Chicago, which is 20 minutes faster than you were two years ago. But you dropped, you know, 34 minutes in just a couple months, which is, which is a huge, a huge decrease in time. So talk to me about after you ran that first marathon early 2017. What was your recovery like? And then what, how did you pick training back up and elevate your training to run so much faster and be so much more fit that second time, considering it was such a quick turnaround? Mm -hmm. I think I just, I honestly, I think I just took a few days off. I didn't really recover that, that much. Um, I remember being really sore for a few days, but it's such a rewarding sore. And then I just, I would like look at other runners, Instagrams. I would read articles of what it takes to, I really wanted to qualify for Boston. So I'm like, this is my goal. This is what I'm going to do. Um, I started running more miles. I don't, I don't remember how many miles I was doing a week for the first marathon. I don't think it was very many. And I don't think I was really doing any type of speed work or anything. Um, so when I was between the first and the second, I added in, uh, one or two speed days or tempo. And then I really like honed in on the long run. And I, I fell in love with the long run during between those two marathons. Like I could just go out there and run 15, 16, 18, 20 miles. And it, it started to feel really comfortable. So I knew I was in good shape. 
And when you were doing those long runs, was this a solo effort or were you running in groups? Because I, and, I, and I say that in the light of you, know, you are a proud, you know, a proud Baltimore resident. You, yeah. you pump it up all the time, I guess, despite the fact that you're a Steelers <laughs> fan. We'll we can talk about that yeah. later. But, um, you know, you know do you, did you have a group that you were running with or was this a solo endeavor that you that, that kind of took your heart? So this was solo. So. What happened was I was living in California for the for the year. Uh, my husband Akash got a fellowship in California, and my work let me work remotely for the year. So I was living out there with him. I didn't know anyone. I didn't really know like of the running community there. So I did. I was doing this all on my own. <laughs> oh wow! So what about those long runs really appealed to you? And what about that distance really appealed to you? Because it's not as if you had to stick with the marathon after that first endeavor. I I remember when I did my first 10 mile run and I, up to that point, I had only done six or seven miles and that first 10 mile run, I I was so proud of myself and I, I could not believe that I had just done that. And then I'm like, I can do this. I can overcome this. And after a while, it just, it, felt like it was hard, but it was soothing to me to be out there for like two, two and a half hours. <laughs> and when you were going through this period and you mentioned that you were reading a lot and trying to to gain more knowledge as you went, what, did you have any particular people or writers or runners that you were looking up to at the time to kind of model some of your running after? I mean, I would follow, I followed some Instagram runners. Like I loved reading uh, run to PR. I would always go to her account or Heather runs. I would get, I would read a lot from their accounts um, online. I would just go, if I had questions, I would just Google it and I would find people's blogs or just different running sites like runner's world or women running. <laughs> yeah. And we should mention, so run for PR as, as Victoria Philippi, who has an extremely popular coaching service. Um, and then Heather Schultz is Heather Runs, who not only is an unbelievable runner herself, but her daughter just finished fourth in the state meet as a sophomore in, down in Florida uh, in terms of their cross-country season. Her, her daughter, Amber, which is which is just unbelievable, uh, actually have had the privilege of having both of them on the show. And both of them, they just work so darn hard. And that's one of the things that always shines through when they're talking about it. And both of them also are, are you know, not only are they running, but they also focus on strength as well. So did that, did that, was that ever something that you started to incorporate into your, um, either your running or your scheduling? So more recently I have, um, this past year and a half, I've started doing, I mean, I'll go to boot camp classes at my gym or body pump. I like to go to bar classes and I've been doing a ton of spinning classes as well. A ton of spinning classes. How do you make that work with running? Because you're not the only person I know who does that. But I, whenever I do one of those classes, I am so wiped. It feels like just as hard <laughs> as like a track workout. So I wouldn't even know where to put it in. <laughs> Honestly, I don't go all out a lot of times during them just because I know I, I don't have the energy for that. Um, so I'll tone it. However my body is feeling, I'll kind of, you know, feel how my body is and go from there. I don't always you know, go all out. All right. So when you got ready for that second marathon, you obviously were aware that you were far more fit than your first one, but what was your expectation going into the race? I just wanted to qualify for Boston. <laughs> I was just hoping to to go somewhere along there. Um, I think at the time now it's what, three thirty, three hours and 30 minutes, but at the time it was three hours and 35. So as long as I was under that, I would have been happy. <laughs> I didn't really have a plan of what I was going to go out and I just 
was just going to go for it. So were you tracking how you were doing as you went? Because obviously, shoot, you almost went like a minute per mile faster than you needed to to, to, <laughs> to, to BQ. So at what point during that race were you like, all right, like 335 obviously isn't the goal anymore because I'm you know way past that at this point. Um, so mountains beach marathons, what I did, it's definitely got more downhill than some other races. Uh, so it was a little bit easier in that, in terms of that. And I, I don't know. I just, I, I have a, I always go out too fast. It's hard for me to hold back. So I just went out. I was flying down those hills. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just going to go with it and see if I can hold out to the end. And I started to feel not super great after 20 miles, but I was, I mean, I felt fine at the end. <laughs> and what were some of the, the long, I guess the longer weeks that you had in that buildup uh, from a mileage standpoint? Um, it's hard for me to m- remember. I don't think I did. I think maybe the highest I got up to was maybe 70, 75. So that's, that is quite a lot considering where you were probably six months before that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> And that's a lot for anybody. So what were you doing to recover from that amount of mileage at that time, considering where you were? Again, you said you think this was you were fairly new to running and all of a sudden you're 70 miles a week, which is a considerable amount. So what were you doing to recover to, to, to stay fresh to to uh, to get through those miles? At the time, I wasn't really doing anything. My like, I my felt like my body could handle it. Um, I don't know why, but <laughs> it's I felt okay. Uh, I wasn't like I wasn't foam rolling. I wasn't using compression boots or anything. I mean, I wore compression socks sometimes, but that's pretty much it. Uh, once in a while, I take an Epsom salt bath. <laughs> so once once you'd gotten that BQ, and it was so clear to you that all right. You know, that that's not necessarily a goal that's worth talking about anymore. What was it like for you to find something new to shoot for? Or did you just start to, you know, stick with running just for the just for the enjoyment of it in itself? I mean, I I just love running and I lo- I just love marathons. As soon as I finished the Mountains of Beach Marathon, I signed up for three more marathons that year, which after after I did the fifth one, I was a little tired. Um, but I, I just love the environment and I don't always try to race them. I just like to be there. <laughs> now, what would like the 18 year old version of Carly do if she heard you say that statement? Like, where were you as like a, like a, a high school athlete or a teenage athlete? So I played soccer growing up. Um, I played year round. I, I quit after high school because I just, I wanted to party. I didn't really feel like playing it anymore. Um, and I was always, I, I was always a good runner. Like I played midfield. So I would stay in the game the whole time and just run around, run around the field. Um, but I never, I never thought to pursue running separately. (laughs) So when did that thought come into your mind? Honestly, um, so I was living, I went to school in Boston And I didn't exercise for probably about four years. Um, I did no physical activity. I would just go to school and then party. And that's pretty much what I did. (laughs) And then when we moved to Baltimore, we live right on this promenade. And it's very busy. There's always people running and walking. And uh, I was just sitting in my couch one day watching the people on the promenade. And I'm like, I feel like going for a run. (laughs) So I 
I changed into workout clothes and I went for a run. <laughs> and that was that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I ran about two and a half miles. I don't know for sure because I didn't have a watch or anything then. Um, and I, I, it was hard, but once I finished, I was like, this feels amazing. <laughs> and what do you think about, you know, you hear about athletes who, you know, t- really try to stick to one sport early on in their life. And then, you know, try to like basically get that the whole 10,000 hour rule mindset of like, all right, like the earlier you start and usually it's not them, it's their parents basically pushing this like, okay, the earlier you start, then the, the, the sooner you'll get to this point of mastery and then you'll just be, you know, better, better and better. You've taken a very different approach with running where obviously there's a ton of running in soccer, but there's a lot of lateral movement as well. And it's much more of like a fartlek workout than actually going for a run. So how do you think that has impacted you in terms of just like the str- of strengthening your body in a way that allows you now to you know put up crazy miles? And as you mentioned, like without having to do a ton of recovery, even early on in the process. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I, I think just the constant motion. I was I've, I was always like a really active kid. My parents put me in pretty much every kind of sport you could think of, and soccer was the one that stuck with me, and that's what I what I stayed with and decided not to pursue anything else at the time. Um, but I mean, I've always I've always had a, like a good endurance to me. <laughs> and did you always envision working in the health and wellness space? And you work full time as a pharmacist now. Uh, I did not envision it. Honestly, I didn't know what I wanted to, wanted to do. And I was in school in Erie, PA. I was undecided. I didn't know. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. My sister was actually finishing up pharmacy school in Boston at the time. And she's like, hey, why don't you consider pharmacy? And I said, okay. So I, I got into that same school in Boston and I moved to Boston with her. And I'm so thankful I did that because Honestly, I don't know. It, it opened my eyes to this whole other world. Like, I don't know if I would have gotten out of Pennsylvania if I didn't make that move to Boston. And once you started down that path, what about pharmacy? You know, what, you know, what about it? What you made you want to stick with it once you you know got introduced to it? I just thought it was fascinating. There's so much that goes into these medications, um, and it's so complicated for patients to take all this stuff and try to make sense of it. So I felt that I could help in that way to help them, you know, make sense of this pill burden that they're on and, and make sure therapy is appropriate for patients. Oh, so you viewed, viewed being a pharmacist as a way of helping people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's interesting. So when you think about, you know, how marathons are run and, you know, everyone talks about the same things, but like hitting the, hitting the mile at 18 or 20, and getting through those hard patches and fighting through when things are just look so bleak and you're mentally and emotionally beaten down. How have you, you know, learned from those experiences and kind of come to grips with not only that, you know, the, the pain suffering not, not, not doesn't necessarily go away the faster you go, but how have you learned to deal with that pain and suffering as you've gotten more experience? It's definitely taken time to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I I just don't want to quit. I don't want to have what ifs. So I remember at Boston this year, it was a horrible race for me. I just felt terrible. I don't know why. Uh, I called my husband 
early on in the race and told him, I don't know if I can finish this. I feel so awful. I started to panic a little bit. And like, I was like, my breathing got all messed up. But you know what, I, I stayed in there, I walked a bunch, I finished the race. So I know whatever happens, I'm gonna finish the race. And it's gonna be hard. And I you just got to accept it sometimes. <laughs> Now, have you had moments where, like, you you pushed through in Boston. Have you ever had moments where you look back on and say, okay, I didn't handle that the way that I should have or could have now that I have more experience? Yes. Now, I definitely think there's been a mental switch within me. Uh, New York, so I was just going to run it for fun, and then I went out too fast in the beginning. And normally, I would have gotten really down on myself, but I just took myself, I slowed down. I just decided I'm going to have fun. You know, I'm going to enjoy the experience, enjoy everything that's around me. And I never, I was never in a bad place mentally in that race. All right. So you just mentioned how like you've experienced pain and trouble before and you've gotten through it, which is obviously a key, key component to anyone who's going to run these marathons. Also very important also to approach training in the same way. So as you've increased your mileage to the point where shoot, man, you're just like killing miles all the time now and you're up to like 90 mile weeks in this training cycle. (laughs) How have you been able to approach racing and training in a way where you're not, you know, taking yourself necessarily too seriously and staying lighthearted about it? Or is that something that you've struggled with? Um, I do sometimes take it too seriously. And then I have to, you know, reevaluate and be like, Hey, Carly, like you're not an elite runner. This is not your job. Uh, you're doing this for fun. So make sure you're having fun. Um, and then I can usually talk myself out of, you know, taking it a little bit less seriously and trying to enjoy it more. And when you're taking it too seriously or you're putting too much pressure on yourself how does that look like how does that actually affect you is it like within a run or is it after a run does it bog you down for like a couple days if you have a bad workout like what how does it manifest itself in your life when things aren't necessarily clicking in terms of your mindset so i would say that i would sometimes i would just dread like a speed workout that I have that week. And I'd be like, I don't feel like doing this, or I don't feel like getting up early tomorrow and running 10 miles. But I always feel better after and I have to remind myself of that sometimes like, it's not always easy to get up super early and and go run for an hour. But I, uh, it makes my day so much better when I do I notice a difference when I, when I, when I don't do things like that. And then when I do my day is just I just feel so much better about everything. (laughs) And after Boston, have you had any big goals that you've been trying to chase over time or, or has it been more of embracing running um, for just, for just the enjoyment sake? So after I qualified for Boston, then the logical thing to me was like, Hey, I'm not too bad at this. Maybe I can try to run sub three one day. So I was just trying to, you know, decrease my, my time. So I, I wanted to eventually run sub three. I didn't know that it would be this soon, but I'm not going to complain about it. No, for sure. But it wasn't as if it happened right away. I mean, you've run a lot of marathons since you ran that first 315 in like the late spring of 2017. And given your rapid initial improvement, I think it would have been easy for you to have been like, okay, I'll just, you know, lop <laughs> off another huge time gap here. But that's not quite what happened in the, in like the, the, 
preceding or I should say following next three marathons, you were, it seemed like you were pretty close to around the same level. Yeah. So then I, when I ran my third marathon in Erie PA, uh, that, that one just didn't go well for me. I, I just didn't feel great during it. And then I decided to run Baltimore a month later in October of 2017. Uh, I decided to just run that one for fun just because I live in Baltimore. I love the city and I figured I might as well run the marathon since I'm, <laughs> since I run marathons now. Um, and then CIM, uh, I, I only shaved off a minute from that marathon in May. And then when you went through that experience heading into 2018, did you have any, did you, did you change the way you wanted to view marathoning from that point forward? Cause you went from, I don't run marathons in 2016 to running five <laughs> marathons in 2017. So how did that change your outlook heading into 2018? I decided in 2018 that I probably wasn't going to run five marathons again that year. Uh, I decided to tone it down a little bit because I was pretty tired after doing all of those. Um, and then I decided I would do a longer training cycle and see what I could really make come of it. Okay, so let's talk about your Chicago buildup this year. So after Boston didn't go the way you wanted it to, what did your recovery look like before you started building up again for Chicago? Um, I I believe I took a full week off after Boston. And then I just started kind of doing like the reverse taper type of thing and slowly building back up. Um, I had, uh, I think I, I don't remember what exactly I started out of. Uh, started out at. Uh, and and then for Chicago, I, I decided to work on my recovery a little bit more. I, I figured there must be something to this. Uh, so I started, you know, I would do the compression boots a lot. I would get, I gotten a few sports massages. I think that those helped me a lot. Um, and then you also, you did, you did three consecutive posts after Chicago, where you talked about three different ways your your training or lifestyle had changed in preparation for trying to you know get that sub three at Chicago and you did mention recovery in there we can we could talk more about it as well you talked about how you got a coach and part of that was also upping your mileage and we can talk about that relationship and then you also talked about food which was kind of like a funny which was kind of like more of like a jokey post than anything else um, but as as a fellow sweet tooth. Um, I could appreciate it for sure. Um, so let's talk about the, your relationship with your coach. How did that start? And what were some of the things that you two had decided that you wanted to work on um, over the course of the, the spring and summer heading into Chicago? So he knew that I, I wanted to, you know, step it up as much as I could and put, put everything into this cycle. Um, so he, he made my plan for me. He makes, he gives me my workouts. We do, one speed workout on the track on Tuesdays. We do more of like a tempo run on Thursdays. And then a lot of our long runs have different workouts in them. Um, and then I kind of, I decided I wanted to do more miles. So I just started adding in doubles as well. <laughs> and that's an exhaustive schedule doing the three workout schedule track tempo and a workout within a long run so what would could you like say during your peak some of your peak weeks you know um back in september or something like that what would a typical week look like for you um you know the the six or seven day structure um so i like to run seven days a week uh most of the weeks i did seven um there were a few i did six i would starting with like sunday i would 
try to run like eight or nine miles. Sometimes I would run, I live like two miles from my gym. So I'd run to the gym to a spin class and then I'd have to run home. <laughs> um, I, I, most of my easy runs, I would just, you know, run for at least an hour. Um, and then a few days a week, I would add a few miles at night. And then we typically do the track workouts on Tuesday night. So I would try to get a run in on Tuesday morning, just an easy couple of miles and then do our tra- like a 10, nine or 10 mile track workout. Um, and that's including warm up and cool down. And uh, for the long runs, we would do anywhere from 16. I think the highest we did was around 23 miles. And then what would be, let's, let's talk about Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, your, 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 your recovery day after the trek and then your tempo and then another recovery. Yeah. So, yeah. So I would do like a, just a easy run on Wednesdays. Usually that's usually the rest day, but I, I would just sneak in a few, <laughs> a few miles on Wednesday. And then Thursday would typically be another tempo type of workout. Um, and Friday is just more easy miles. And what would those tempo workouts look like? They were tough. <laughs> I did not hit my paces on a lot of them. They would be, sometimes they'd be like two miles warm up, uh, like two miles at marathon ma- pace, two miles at half marathon pace. And, and they were just longer, you know, one, two, three mile fast stuff. And with a quick turnaround from your track workouts on Tuesdays, how fresh were you usually for those runs on Thursdays? Sometimes I wasn't super fresh. I mean, sometimes I felt good and I would surprise myself. Um, but there were times where I just had to just go by effort. Whatever whatever I had in me that day is what I gave. I didn't stress as much about pacing, especially since it was summer. It was super hot and humid. I didn't have a chance of hitting my paces sometimes on those really hot days anyway. So as long as I put in whatever effort I had in me that day, I was happy with it. Now that's a, that's a problem for a lot of runners, especially during the summer of like, okay, you know, I know that I'm not supposed to run my, my desired pace here, but you see a lot of people don't fully come to grips with it, right? They kind of know it academically, but they, they have a hard time really letting go. It was that, how did you deal with that? Because, you know, you living in Baltimore, it's so darn hot and humid there. Like, especially if you're running in the afternoon, early evening, like the heat hasn't gone anywhere at that point. So, so what, what was your trick to try to basically completely disregard the clock and to run by feel? I just knew in the back of my head that when Chicago comes, it's going to be a lot colder. You're going to feel so much better. Um, it's just, there's no way you can run super fast when it's 90 degrees and 80% humidity out. I just, I had to be realistic about it. <laughs> and what what kind of, I guess, what were some of the positive benefits about running in that kind of heat? Because obviously the negative is like just disregard time, which can be frustrating, firstly for like a type A person. But what are some of the benefits of having to do workouts in those kind of conditions? I think it really does help you when it you have a cold race or cooler race because you're just so used to that hot weather. And then when the weather cools down a little bit, you personally, I felt like I could fly and I was, it just felt the effort felt so much easier when it was a lot cooler. Plus I associate summer with light. So (laughs) as long as I could get out there at five 30 in the morning and it was light out and I didn't have to do the treadmill, I was happy. (laughs) 
And why were you doing these doubles in terms of like just like a little bit of mileage here and a little bit of mileage there? How how did that benefit your running? I just used it as a way to increase to increase my weekly mileage. I like to see I like to push my bounds. So I I mean I work full time, but I don't have any children right now. I have I had no reason not to go all in. So I just decided I'm gonna go all in. I'm gonna push push my bounds, see how far I can push and not get injured and just give it my all. Did you notice a difference when you started incorporating those 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 runs in terms of either your recovery or how you were feeling after a couple of weeks once you started? For me, it felt if I ran just a few really slow miles, I felt that it helped my recovery. I felt that I like it loosened up my legs a little bit um, and they weren't so stiff the next morning for some of my runs. Really? So, so, so I'm trying to think. So that would be if you did, would that be like, like the night of a Thursday tempo? So if you did Thursday tempos in the morning, are you talking about like the, the evening, the evening short miles or after your track workouts? Yeah. So the so track workout's tough because we usually do, I usually do it on Tuesday night with a group. Um, but yeah, I would typically do my Thursday tempo in the morning and then I'd run a few easy miles later that night. And I honestly, it made my legs feel a little bit better. Yeah. See, you're not the only person to say that. I had Rachel Shilkowski on earlier in this year, who's who's an elite runner and has run 238 in the marathon and was a, a collegiate All-American in the steeplechase. And she mentioned that when she started doing doubles, she was worried about it because it was the first time she was incorporating it. But then she said the same thing that she's like, she's like, is completely all in on it for the exact same reasons you said that instead of it, like, instead of it being too much for her, if anything, she feels like she's running so much better and freer because of it. But obviously, I, w- I would assume part of the key is there is making sure that you're running slow enough to take advantage of the recovery benefits without, you know, dragging your body down um, like an energy an energy tunnel, I guess, or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't you can't run it fast. You have to just go as slow as your body needs. Um, your body will tell you what pace it needs to go, and I just listened and let it do whatever. <laughs> So was there a point in your training for Chicago where you felt like you were at a different level than you'd been in the past? Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I would just knock out my long runs and I felt like so strong on them. And, and I knew that like I was in pretty good shape when I did, uh, I did my 23 mile run and I, I did it in San Diego and I did it on a pretty hilly area and I, I felt great. (laughs) So I knew that I was ready. (laughs) And then when you were doing your race strategy, were you, did you and your coach have a specific time or strategy in mind? Um, so I was thinking about doing sub three, but I didn't really tell many people. He had asked me, he, he said, he texted me, he said 258 question mark. And I was like, uh, like I might try. <laughs> um, so so he knew that I was going to go for it. And, um, but I wasn't very vocal about it to many people. Although a lot of people (laughs) asked me if I got it after, or they asked me if I was going for it at Chicago. So everyone must've known anyway. (laughs) Well, I think because you're pretty open about what you're doing in training, it wasn't as if people couldn't see the writing on the wall, especially with, especially when someone's killing their long runs, right? Like if someone's <laughs> like rocking a 20 mile run and they're running like seven thirty pace or so or faster, you're like, Oh, well, Hey now, like obviously <laughs> things are moving in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, 
it just everything seemed to fall into place this cycle. Like I just I didn't miss many runs. I was flexible with my schedule if I had to be, but I I don't know. Everything just seemed to fall into place. And then on race day, were you able to kind of corral your natural instinct, as you mentioned before, about going out super fast? No, I actually went out faster than I <laughs> probably should have. Um, if you've run Chicago, you know that your watch is just totally off like early on. Um, so I knew that was going to happen. So I just decided to run by feel. I didn't realize I was running as fast as I was for part of it. Um, I guess people tracking me were like, whoa, what's going on? Um, but I never felt that. So, I mean, I thought that I, I knew after the half point that I was going a little bit fast. Um, but I thought if I stopped the momentum that I had, it might have a negative effect on me. So I just decided to keep going with whatever I had left. And I, I felt good throughout Chicago. <laughs> And how fast were you going early on? So some of my splits were around 640. And then I had like one or two splits around 630. <laughs> oh, wow. So yeah, really, really kicking butt. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I did start to slow down later on the later in the race, but I didn't feel like I hit the wall or anything. Um, I, I mean, I felt good. I felt strong throughout, which I've hit the wall really hard in the past and, and, that did not happen to me this time. Oh man, that's great. And you know, as someone who's hit the wall, you know, two times, I can say, you know, that's obviously no fun, but you're, you know, you're, you're a veteran of a lot of marathons. So while I'm not surprised, it also, you know, it bears the question though, because it's faster than you'd ever run. And by quite a large margin that, you know, coming into the last couple miles, you know, how, did you feel any differently than you had in the past or was it pretty comparable to some of the better marathons you'd run near the end? Um, it was, I've, I, I think I felt the best I've ever felt before in a marathon, um, at the end at least. And I knew that I was going to get sub three. So that just added to my excitement and, and made me not feel really the pain. Um, and I was so worried about getting sub three that I went <laughs> over four minutes under sub three. <laughs> oh my God. And that's awesome. And then once you finished, be honest with me at that point were you like all right screw new york i'm done like this was this was it i actually i felt good after chicago i was not that sore at all um i was kind of tired i was i felt like i just wanted to sit around and like eat junk food i didn't really feel like running much <laughs> um and i i did i didn't run as much because i didn't think i'd be able to i spent a lot of time on the bike between new york and chicago just because i wanted to keep some kind of fitness in me um but I felt good after Chicago. <laughs> so what exactly were you doing on the bike? Because again, you know, you can go on the bike and you can go and hammer or you can just like spin nice and easy. And you know, we've all seen those people at the gym who are like reading a novel <laughs> on the recumbent bike. So like what, what kind of efforts were you putting in between those two marathons? Because that's just a three week turnaround, which is just so quick. Yeah, which probably I wouldn't recommend to someone to do, but you know, <laughs> um, I, so I went to a few spin classes, not many. Well, a lot of time I just, I went on the bike. I didn't go at a really hard effort and I just watched Netflix and did it for like 30 to 40 minutes. Oh my goodness. This is so, but you, but you'd done, I should say, I shouldn't act as if this was new territory for you though. Cause you did mention that you'd had run a marathon within a month of each other, you know, two years prior. So were you able to gain anything from that experience 
for this time around? Um, so I'm I also last year I did Chicago and then I did Marine Corps three weeks after. And I remember saying, I'm never doing this again because Marine Corps was horrible. I just felt terrible during it. And then I guess I forgot about it quickly because I did it again. <laughs> oh, so your body knows what's up right now. So it's like, it's like on high <laughs> alert when you run a marathon, like, oh my gosh, there's like another tidal wave coming. Yeah. I mean, I think I put a little bit of uh, pressure on myself, which I need to relax because I do want to have kids. Uh, at some point, I mean, I, I am 32 and I, I, I'm happily married. So I do want to have kids at some point. And I know that my life will change a lot at that point. So I feel like I need to get everything done now. <laughs> so what does that mean moving forward? I mean, you've done so much. You've run a lot of marathons and you're still really improving because, you know, obviously there's a lot of talent there and you work really hard to bring it out. So what are some of the things that you're going to try to focus on in the next year, two years, three years for your running? So next up, I, I'm doing Boston. I have decided I don't think I want to race it this time because the last two Bostons, I, so I love Boston so much. It's so dear to my heart because I went to school there. My dad's run the Boston Marathon a lot. Um, so I, I, I watched it so many times. And then the past two years, I have not had great Boston Marathons. And I was so upset after, and I just want to have, I just want to run it for fun um, coming up. So I've decided I think I might just do it for, as a training run. And then I haven't decided on what marathon I want to do after that yet. Okay. But you're going to stay marathon focused? Yeah. I just, I don't know what the draw is. I just love that distance. <laughs> you sure do, man. You've run more marathons in three years than most people will run in a lifetime. So you obviously <laughs> have a huge draw to it. Is there any marathon that you haven't done yet that you really and truly want to run? I really want to do the, all the majors. So, you know, try to get into London however I can. Um, I'd love to do that one at some point. I also want to do Berlin and Tokyo. Okay, so you've done you've done the domestic majors, and now it's just going across the pond and do those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got it. Carly, thank you so much for taking time out of your evening, and I'm glad the Steelers won, so you were in an energetic, <laughs> excited mood to come on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Carly, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was a pleasure. I've been following Carly. Carly I've been following Carly's. There it is. Carly's running for a while, and it was just so exciting to get to talk to her about it. As I told her offline, she's just one of the most consistent runners that I've ever seen at this level. I mean, you see a lot of professional runners who are able to do 79, 75 to ninety mile weeks. Again, that's you know, that that's no small thing, but it's also their profession. It's a whole nother thing to see somebody doing that who has a full-time job and just doing it in addition to a full-time job. It's uh, it's awe-inspiring because, I mean, even half that mileage is a big deal for an amateur runner, right? You're running 45 miles a week. You know, that's no joke. And doubling that, oh, my goodness, I can't even imagine. Carly, thank you so much for coming on the show. Also, thank you to our sponsors, Tune Up CBD and Megaton Coffee. Check them out as soon as possible. I love those guys, and they just do great, great work. Thank you so much for rating, reviewing, and sharing the show. Every time you tag me or review, I see it, and it's just so greatly appreciated. Have a wonderful day, and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. 
Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest of states these days. Just representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.